Welcome to the Propreneur Podcast, where we help practice owners become better entrepreneurs. I'm your host, Dino Watt. And welcome once again, everybody, to the Propreneur Podcast. I'm your host, Dino Watt, and I'm super excited to have you here today because, number one, I've been wanting to speak with Jill Allen for the last couple of months. She's somebody I've known for a few years now, seeing the amazing things she's been able to talk about at events and all the established amazing projects she's been working on with her company, Jill Allen & Associates. But before we do, I want to make sure that we say a great a big thank you to all of you for listening to this show and sharing it with your friends and colleagues. It's because of you that we are uh, really creeping up on our 100th episode. We have some really awesome things in store for you. And you are the reason why I do this every single week. So thank you so much for being here. Don't forget to subscribe and also to share it with your friends and colleagues. That being said, everyone, let's welcome my friend, the amazing Jill Allen to the show. Jill, welcome. Hi, hi, Dino. Thanks so much for having me. I mean, what what an absolute honor it is to be a part of this show. So well, here's thank the you. secret that's really funny. Thank you for saying that. But what's uh, the secret really funny is this is really just going to be a, a, a Dino and Joe conversation because and everybody gets <laughs> to listen in on it because uh, there's oftentimes where I'm interviewing people that I've just met. I met like 15 minutes or 10 minutes before the show, but I've got to, you know, we've been able to hang with each other in different locations and be able to see what each other does. And there's just really a good synergy around what you're doing with, especially with the startup world, which I think is amazing because man, if you can, <laughs> you can lay a foundation for people and do it right, dang, like the sky's the limit. So congratulations to you on all your success and what you're doing. Thank you. Thank you. It's, it's been fun. <laughs> yeah, I bet. It sounds like having fun. Well, before we get into all of that and you let us know about what really Jill Allen Associates does and and the whole, uh, I guess, uh, catalog of services that you can provide. Let's talk about you. I always say on this show that stories are what connect all of us. We should all be talking about our story more often. So tell us your story. How did you get into this world of orthodontics and then doing what you're doing now? Sure, sure. So I have been in the world of orthodontics a little over 28 years now, uh, which is really hard to believe when I because you know, you're, think because about you're that. Because you're 30, which is really right, weird. Right, right. Like, right, that's odd. Exactly. <laughs> Just <laughs> creeping up on it. <laughs> and, you know, um, I, I got into it. I was a, you know, brand new mama. Um, I actually have been married um, 30 years now and, um, you know, was, you know, kind of you know, just finding something to do after I'd had my first child. And my mom actually had been in the orthodontic industry. And so it just kind of was a a perfect fit. I actually started off as a sterilization assistant, if you can believe that way back when. when I started in our industry, we were still bending straight wires and, Mm -hmm. you know, tap welding bands. So it's been a long time since I've been in the field. And, you know, I started in that sterilization realm and just thought, oh, I just love this. I love this industry. Moved my way up. I worked for a very progressive orthodontist when I first got started. And um, he just really believed in training people up if they wanted to learn. And I was all about that. So jumped into the clinical side of it learned anything and everything that I could learn on the clinical side and uh, became a trainer, you know, and, and then, you know, kind of moved from there and just thought, um, gosh, I love this. And I just got to know more. And so from there, um, you know, made my way through an office over the years and different practices. And I've always been very, very lucky 
to have worked for very progressive orthodontists who really believed in training, who really believed in getting their teams out there. And I'll say in front of the sages of our industry when they were at the prime of their industry, you know, of, of their um, consulting. So just, you know, and I would look up to them and just go, I want to be just like her, (laughs) you know, I want to be just like him. And so, um, you know, that really propelled me as I was moving along and, um, you know, about almost 15 years ago now, I finally made the decision to become a consultant. And, you know, I was at a point we had babies young in life. And Mm -hmm. I told my husband, I said, what's the worst that's going to happen? I can fail. But, you know, I mean, like, really, what, you know, what, what's the worst? <laughs> I can mm-hmm. go back and work in an office. And so I was able to, you know, start my business and got some really good clients on the, on, under my belt that were able to, um, you know, wanted to take a chance on me. And kind of how I got into the startup realm was I had worked with a few doctors who were in that startup phase. And I just thought, gosh, there's so much that they don't know they're great clinicians, but they just don't know how to run an office. And I'd been doing this, you know, for lots and lots of years. And so um, that's, you know, I I really looked at that and said, I think that's where I want to be when I become a consultant. That's where I want to live. I like being kind of down in the trenches, figuring out things. And I was one of those gals that took, uh, you know, I had notebooks after notebooks, I could Mm -hmm. go all the way back and, you know, be like, here's the best way to describe an arch wire, or here's the this, or here's <laughs> nice. the best way to get yeah. a patient to say yes to treatment. And so um, that kind of was my catalyst um, for, you know, jumping off and then getting into the startup realm. And I just, I absolutely love it. It's so fulfilling to me to be able to help doctors, um, you know, see their dream, bring their dream to fruition and then let them see success and know that, you know, I was able to help them get those fundamental pieces in place so that they can take off and live their dream. So that's that's amazing. (laughs) That's a great story. And so much to unpack in there that I want to talk about because uh, there's, there's, there are people that, as I mentioned before, I always try to put myself in the driver's seat of a doctor listening to the show on the way or to work. And what would they ask? What would they think? And Sometimes what I don't want is listeners to think, oh, okay, well, I'm not a startup. This doesn't apply to me. You know what? I believe a startup is when you're ready to start a new and maybe you've been doing things the same way for the past 10 years. And now you're like, you know what? I need to throw out the old established way that I have been doing it because it's not working for me. I'm going insane, right? Doing the same thing yes. over and over again, expecting a different result. And that's a new startup. But before we get to that, I love the word you used it twice, progressive orthodontist talk about the difference that you've seen between the progressive orthodontist and what that is in your mind and, and everyone else, like what else is out there? You know, I think um, when I look at that and what I saw was this doctor that was able to look beyond themselves and say, Mm -hmm. you know, it's beyond me. I need, I need help. I need somebody else to convey a message to myself and my team in a way that maybe I can't do it. And, you know, and I looked at that, you know, when I was with these, what I consider very progressive orthodontists, that they were willing to um, spend the money to get their whole team to go as a group to, um, you know, to a conference, they were willing to step outside of, you know, just a, let's have a meeting every other month, um, and kind of redo the same thing over and over again. And so I just, you know, at, at the time, 
um, that was very progressive because, you know, I, I felt like, you know, they were taking a chance on getting new views. And I think nowadays, um, you know, when we look at progressive doctors, it's those doctors that are willing to be part of the study groups and willing to, to you know, take their teams to the conferences and willing to dive deep, you know, into, um, you know, different programs, at, you know, and just willing to say it's, it's bigger than me. It's bigger than me and what I know. And I'll, I'll take any help I can get to make myself and my team better. Well, I think that's great because um, there's an old coach that I had years and years ago, probably a good 15 years ago, who would talk about this idea of stepping over the dollars to get to the dimes. And what it sounds like you're talking about, what I take away from that is just being willing to invest in yourself. Yes. Yes. Even when you don't think you have the funds or the money to do it, like you find the ways to invest in yourself and your team so you can get an ROI. Like so many people are like, they'll pay whatever it is, $30,000 for an iTero scanner, but they won't invest, you know, $30,000 in a consultant or any type of education that's going to help them get to the next level of business. The iTero scanner is only as good as the person using it. Correct. Yeah. Your that's business exactly is only right. as good as the person who's leading it. And so you mm-hmm. better be working on that sucker. So <laughs> that's exactly that is, right. That's so important. Um, you talked about the challenges with having a startup phase, right? One of the things that I've found sometimes is you have people who don't know what their dream is, don't know what the ideal business for themselves is. So how much of your conversations are around that, like establishing what they want? as opposed to a really successful business? Right, you know, and, and that that is such a great question. And I think there's a different answer for everybody out there. And that is something, you know, I do a lot of accountability calls with my doctors every month. So it's not just business coaching, but there's, you know, there's that personal accountability, you know, and, and what are we doing there? And, you know, that is something we talk a lot about. And I really try and encourage my doctors that I'm working with that your dream doesn't have to be somebody else's dream or somebody else's dream doesn't have to be your dream. So just because somebody wants, you know, five businesses and wants to own all the monopoly pieces doesn't mean that your dream to work four days a week and have time with family and your kids is somehow less of a dream or not going to be as fulfilling as that person's. And so, you know, it it really is trying to dial it in for each of us, um, for each doctor out there and really trying to, you know, pull out what it was. And I think especially I see this a lot when I I work with a lot of doctors who've done acquisitions. So it Mm -hmm. isn't just startups. It's, you know, maybe they purchased somebody else's practice and that other person's dream may be all over that practice, the way they, the hours they work, the team members they hired, the this, the that, the marketing plan. And now they have to come in and go, does this really align with what I was looking for? And how do I change the direction of this ship? Because this was somebody else's dream, but what am I going to do with it now? So. (laughs) Yeah, it's very true, right? It's like they, they walk in those different offices that they're going to acquire and how do they get the team to jump on board? Right. It's, it's interesting because when you have companies, I use a lot of references to companies like Disney and Apple and stuff, you know, Disney establishes their own brand. They don't go in and acquire something else and try to make it their own. There's a totally different mindset when it comes to that and a totally different uh, work ethic that has to happen because you've got to help for lack of a better word, assimilate those people into your vision. 
And what I've seen is if they don't have that established, if they don't have a good dream or vision, it becomes chaos. Oh, for sure. For sure. And, you know, you really have one pulling against the other, um, you know, and, and it's just very hard for practices to move in any direction. <laughs> you just kind of get stuck, right? right. And, and it's not fulfilling for anybody. So, you know, I think circling back to finding that dream, you know, and then being able to, you know, dial it in and move forward. I think uh, for um, a lot of us, it's we have to do the work, the, the hard work to yeah. identify what that is to then be able to deliver that to our team. And sometimes you can do that on your own. Sometimes you need help like yourself, you yeah. know, somebody to come in and help with that. So, um, yeah, but, but we have to do the work. We have to do the work. <laughs> How do you, uh, like when people come to you, whether they're coming to you, I'm, I'm assuming the majority of the clients uh, of your clients are people who are deciding, okay, I'm going to start my own office. Maybe they've been an associate before. Maybe they've been uh, working at a corporation, whatever. Maybe they're just right out of school. How do you start the work with them? Because it is so overwhelming. Like there's a sure. lot to be done. Yep. Well, I do kind of work in three different areas. I, I do a lot on that startup phase. I do a lot in that eight years and younger, um, you know, air parentheses, which is just eight years into your own practice, you know, um, or I do a lot with eight years to retirement too. Oh, nice. So um, depending upon, you know, where a doctor is coming and what they're looking for is really where we start and dive in. If it truly is a startup, you know, that's about a six month process before we've even got doors open. So yeah. we are working on determining, you know, not just where are you going to practice, but why are you going to practice there? Because, <laughs> uh, smart. you know, that's, that's important. You can, you know, choose a location because, well, the demographics are great and I just got to go there. But, you know, how fulfilled are you going to be in five years when your family is all the way across the, you know, the country and now you're ready to have a family and you, you know what I mean? Like this is, we're, we're playing that long game, right? We're playing, yep. you know, do, doing the big haul here. And so there's just so many factors that go into um, that, that startup, if we were talking about that realm right? Um, and, and kind of what, what we're going to do within those months to getting your doors open. Is that easier than dealing with someone who's trying to maybe reestablish themselves or reinvent themselves and that after the eight years type thing, like it, which one's easier? I don't know if it's easier or not, if that's the right question, but yeah, what's easier? <laughs> Cause I would think that people you know, I, honestly, sometimes sounds great, but it's not. Yeah, honestly, I think that the challenges it's, you know, sometimes they say it's just what's your um, stress tolerance, right? Mm -hmm. There's, there's different stresses that come along with it. When you do a startup, if you're, if you're truly doing a brand new startup, you know, the stress level is I'm starting with zero. I've got zero money, zero patience, and I got to grow this dream. I got to, mm -hmm. you know, I got to bring this to fruition. I think sometimes when you're looking at somebody who's done an acquisition or maybe somebody who has been practicing for a while and they've had a whole team turnaround and they feel like they're a brand new startup again. Now it's, okay, I've got to figure out all of these, like with an acquisition, I got to take all of these systems that aren't mine, turn them around and get this, you know, get me going in another direction. And so, you know, it's just, I, I think they're just different. Um, in, in what you're going through. I, I honestly think a lot of times my existing practices struggle a little bit more than my startups do, believe it or not. 
And is that because the teams also established and they like don't want to turn that boat and they're yeah. happy with where they yeah. are in that comfort zone? Yeah, absolutely. And, and, and I think it can be very difficult, especially if we're a younger doctor coming into an established practice. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, I think a lot of times we got to remember that the, you know, the senior doc who may have been leaving may have had his or her dream team, but they were yeah. his or her dream yes. team. <laughs> right. And now this dream team is not your dream team. Yep. And they may have been wonderful for the doc and they, they may have been loyal to the, you know, for as long as the day is long. Right. But with you as the new doctor, new vision, pushing for new things, new technology, change, 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 which is always a pinch point anyways, for a lot of offices that, you know, that dream team doesn't feel so dreamy anymore, a lot of times, and it it can just be a really difficult, um, there can be a lot of tension that goes on. So let's go down that route, because I think that's a really interesting thing to talk about if, you know, to people who are listening that maybe are about to, or just have acquired another office, what are some of the things that you would tell them if you were advising them, like if there's the top three things to look out for, to be aware of, what are those things that you would have them really look for and do? Sure. So I think number one, and this is going to sound really harsh, is rehire everybody on a 90 day probationary period. I and love it. I think I know it can sound like a pinch point, but again, they may not be your dream team. And you as a new doctor going into a practice, you have to make sure that these new team members are going to be on board with your vision, your values, your directives going forward. And as hard as it is to let somebody go, it's better to let them go in love and be done in 90 days than to hold on to them for years and years and, and just always have tension in an office. So that, w- that would be my first thing is rehire everybody on a 90 Love day it. probationary period. That's also a good time to reset, you know, um, you know, how much you're paying people. But the, the first thing is just number one, rehire them on a 90 day probationary period. The second is, I really think it's important to, if you are doing an acquisition in those 90 days before you make any big changes, just get in there and watch what's going on. Mm. See the systems that are in place. And, you know, I usually tell my clients, if you are going to bring a consultant in to help you um, do it after 90 days, do it after you've had some time to, you know, get a lay of the land. Um, Because you may come in thinking, you know, this, this, and this, and we need to do this, this, and this, but um, 90 days gives you a good, a good foundation for knowing what direction you need to go. So that would be, you know, number two. And then, you know, um, you know, number three, I would just say, take the time to do the work to know what direction you want to move the practice. Mm. Um, You know, what do you want to do that's maybe different than the previous doctor? How are you going to build your brand? Because there is a point that you've got to move out of the umbrella of the previous doctor's brand and you've got to move into your own brand and what is your messaging what it, what are you trying to get out there to you know to the patients existing but the new ones coming on and so there's you know there's a lot of work that goes into that and um and then my last thing and I know I'm rambling a little bit here no, but my last great. I love it my last thing would be 
and this is gonna, people have heard me say this, but I think this is a little bit of a pinch sometimes. Really make sure if you're gonna keep a senior doc in with you, really make sure that the, they're helping you, not hurting you. Mm -hmm. and, and what I mean by that is your team will never see you as the leader, the owner, the director of the business, as long as their previous leader, owner, director was there. And if you're going to hold on to them for a year, it's going to be really difficult for you to move your, your practice anywhere within that first year. So I say rip the Band-Aid off. Nin 90 days is kind of my window for almost everything. Um, and, Good you know, jump, jump off the deep end and just go for it. <laughs> Start swimming. <Wow. laughs> that, is, that is some gold right there because, I mean... Look, as somebody, and you've seen this, I think so many of us consultants and coaches out there see this, that there are so many times where I run into somebody, I'm like, why is that person still here? Like, no wonder they're not listening to you. No wonder they're going to them for help or for their concerns. No wonder you feel like you are not the leader. No wonder you're stressed because you have, it's like, it's a really probably bad analogy, but it's kind of like getting a divorce and then marrying someone, but still having your ex-spouse in the house too. Yes. Like, yes. Like how well is that going to go? Of course your kids are going <laughs> to hit you up against them. Of course your kids are going to go to what they know. And by the way, I don't blame them for doing that because right. that's what they know. That's what they've had right. for 20, 30 years. Yes. And yes. I love this. I mean, to go through these four areas, man, if you're listening to this, any of you listening to this right now and are even thinking about this, I love that you, uh, that you start off with saying, Hey, this might pinch a little bit, but the very first thing of saying, I'm going to rehire everybody. First of all, great way to establish that you want them to work for you, but you also want to make sure you're all the right fit. I was recently on a call with someone who is going through this exact same problem, purchased a, a, an office and talk about the rebellion against this person. And yet they don't also, they also want to come in, not looking like they're the tyrant, not, they want to be the good guy or good girl and not go and fire everybody or not feel like they're bad. And what would the community think, you know, cause this person is so popular in the community, like the person that's working yep. for them. There's all these excuses that come up, but I love this idea of, Hey, 90 days where you're on probation. Like, it's okay. I want you to win. I don't want to rehire. And of course, well, let me ask you this then. Obviously, with where we are in the country right now, where we have been for the past couple of years, hiring the right people, hiring people, period, let alone the it's right hard. is yes. challenging. Yes. So yes. when that doctor comes, he's like, oh, yeah, what am I going to do? I just bought a building. I spent X amount of dollars on this. And now I'm going to let people go if they're not the right fit. So I got to find new people. What do you do in that situation? I, it's hard. It's hard to be a business owner. It's hard to make <laughs> the hard decisions. Too. You know, but this is where maybe I don't, you know, I, I, I have empathy, but you, but this is your business and we got to do the hard things sometimes. And if it's important to you to have the right team, and if you've got the wrong person on your team, it is only going to drag you down. No matter, I mean, you just can't put lipstick on a pig and make a pig look better. You know, I mean, like we, we just have, sometimes we got to do the hard things. And I promise you, it's harder to take a year and be miserable than to take three months and run short staffed and take the time to find the right person. A hundred percent. And uh, there's a reason why I just love what you do. And, and that we're <laughs> kindred spirits in that way, because I'm just, I, I, it, it 
it is almost baffling to me that people are willing to take the pain and suffering over a little bit of frustration, a little bit of inconvenience for a while. I get it. And like you said, yes. it is hard. It is challenging. I'm not saying it's not. And, you know, if you want, if you, it's anything in life, if you want the results, you got to do the hard things. There's a great yes. mentor I had years ago who used to say, if you want your life to be hard, do the things that are easy. If you want your things, life to be easy, do the things that are hard. And that is one of the areas where I find so interesting and I get it. Like, I, like you said, you have empathy. I get it. It's, it's hard. It's challenging. You don't want to look like a jerk. You have all those reasons in your head, but when it comes down to it, your job and your loyalty is to making sure the business runs so you can serve yes. more people. Your loyalty yes. is not to any one individual. Yep. Yep. And, and, you know, I mean, in, in all of our practices, it's ultimately about this wonderful experience for our patients. Right. Mm -hmm. And I, you know, I promise you patients are intuitive. They can see, you know, yes, it's like walking totally. into the, you know, the family gathering at Thanksgiving and if, you know, aunt Sue and uncle Bill aren't getting along, everybody knows it. Well, it's the same thing. Your patients are going to see it too. And, you know, you just, ha you have to, you know, your, if your ultimate goal is a great patient experience, if your ultimate goal is to have, you know, your patients feel like it's a family when they come into your office, you know, not that families don't fight here and there, but you got to have the right, got to yeah. have the right people. Yeah. They, you, you, your ultimate goal, growing that business and you can't grow yes. the business with a bunch of staff infections running around and yeah. all the challenges happening. It's so yep. true. All right. Yeah. So there's somebody who acquired somebody. Let's talk about somebody who is thinking about starting their own business, thinking about sure. going out on their own and they're not acquiring anything. They're starting from scratch. That's a whole nother animal. So yes, it is. <laughs> what are some of the things that you would say, Hey, before you're, before you pull the trigger, here's some pre advice, a pre pulling the trigger advice from Jill Allen. Yes. And uh, before you move forward, what were, what would some of those things be? Mm, if I were to give you like my top three, my number yeah. one would be don't make a, a decision on going into an area just because your gut says, eh, I think this looks like a good area to start a, an orthodontic practice. Um, I, you know, I really believe you have to do your research. Every single doctor that I work with, um, when we're doing a startup, we pull demographic reports, we dig in, we do our homework, we look at the data, we determine um, if where we are going to do a startup is going to be successful or not, because it's hard enough on its own to do a startup, yeah. but let's, let's don't stack the deck against us. And if you happen to be one of those docs that are like, I don't care what the data says, I'm doing it anyways, then let's go in eyes wide open and know what you're going to do to make yourself successful because the data is stacked against you. So are number there, one, before you go to the second one, are there, are there, is there better data than other, like than other data, right? Because like you said, I'm sure many guys go in there and be like, well, it's got a population of X and there's only two orthodontists in the whole city, right? That yeah. to them is a demographic. What's one demographic or data better than the other? Um, well, I, I don't think that there's one than, better than another, but I think there is a, a combination of data mm. that has to come together. And the secondary pieces, you have to know as an orthodontist 
what do you want to deliver um, when you are opening your practice? Because, you know, you may be an orthodontist that says, I really want to treat my primary practice. I want to be aligners and adults. Well, that's a completely different demographic sure. than a doc who says, you know what, Jill, if I could never have a, an adult walk through my doors, I'd be happy as a clam. Well, right. we're looking at two different demographics, mm. um, you know, and we're looking at, you know, so, so there are, I mean, I could get into all of the details of a demographic report, but I think that it's determining what kind of practice you want and then sure. determining what factors do we need that are going to support the type of practice that you think you want. So really, it's a matter of saying, uh, like, it makes sense too, is what do I want, which is the number one question I believe everybody should <laughs> ask themselves, right? What do I want? What would make me happy? What would, what's the thing that I know I can deliver the best value to the people? And then find this space, the place, the city, the town that, that will help you achieve that as opposed to what I think a lot of people do is they try to do it backwards, right? They yes. see the demographics, like you said, the doctor is like, well, I don't care about that data. I'm going to do this anyway. It's like, okay, great. Yes. I love you like uphill battle, but yeah, exactly. That's, I mean, I, I think that that's exactly it. And there are just so many layers when we dive into demographics, there are so many layers that we have that's to awesome. dive into um, just to get the data to, to feel good about saying, okay, well, I think we found an area. Then my secondary which kind of leads right into it, is I 100% believe every doctor should um, have a broker involved um, and a commercial broker. Um, when we are looking at doing a startup, in most cases, we're going to be doing a lease. Some doctors are fortunate enough to be able to purchase a building and then do a build out you know, in, inside of that. But I'm gonna say 90% of my docs, 90% sure. of doctors out there are leasing. We need a commercial broker that understands negotiating leases. And, you know, I do a lot of advising on that. I've, you know, I've done it for years and years now, but we have to know what we're getting into. You know, we have to understand how much tenant improvement allowance we're getting. We have to understand how many months of free rent we're getting. We have to understand, you know, it, what is the additional costs that are going to come along besides just the rent you know, that right. everyone wants to stick on and then they don't realize that there's, you know, a triple net or, you know, all these other things that go onto it. So you have to understand what you're getting into for the long haul. I've had so many docs that have signed leases because somebody wasn't representing them right. And, you know, you would assume an HVAC system comes with this space. It was never in the lease. So guess who's paying for an HVAC system wow. that wasn't part of your budget? So you have to have, you know, I, I really believe in a commercial broker that's going to represent you well. And, and I want all of anybody who's listening, if you're looking at this, you should never be paying your commercial broker. They get paid out of the deal. That's so right. if you've got somebody that's trying to tell you that they're going to charge you to run your deal, you need to find somebody else. Um, so that's, that's my my second piece there. <laughs> interesting, interesting on the broker deal stuff. When you think about weird stuff, like you said, the HVAC thing, that's crazy. You would think like, who wouldn't think that would be a part of it. Right. Uh, I had a doc once who had the idea and thought that the parking lot that was next to him was a part of the deal because it was next to him and there was nothing else around and it wasn't. And nope. so 
at nope. the lease now, the parking lot after that. Yeah. It's like, it's shocking. So yeah. Yeah. You know, or, or, you know, I've had docs that, you know, have got parking spaces right in front of their door yes. and aren't even theirs. Right. Can't even can't be use used them. for their can't space. Yeah. I, you know, so I always say, uh, whether it be your accounting or whatever, like get a professional to do a professional yes. job. You yes. are great at the thing you do, but you're not an IT expert. You're not a contract negotiation expert. No matter yes. how smart you are, just let the professional do the professional job. Just like, I don't want kids, uh, you know, closing the gap in the front of their teeth by using rubber bands and glue like they're seeing on TikTok. I don't want you negotiating a contract. Right, right, exactly. And, and a real estate uh, you know, a residential real estate agent cannot do what, what, no, what you need them point. to do. Great so, point. so your sister-in-law, um, yeah, who has <laughs> no matter her. how good she is, right. she's not the one who can do the deal for you. Um, oh and, you know, I, I could go through all of them, but I think the last thing I would just say is um, where I find a lot of my doctors really get into problems. Um, and again, this may be a pinch to any of my, um, you know, anybody who's listening that um, sells equipment is I highly, highly, highly recommend that you use an architect to design your space and do not use an equipment specialist. And to any of my equipment specialists out there that are listening, I love you, but um, docs, equipment specialists are there to sell you equipment. Yep. And we have a very small budget. We have every, you know, 500, 600,000 sounds like a lot, but every penny I promise you will be used and accounted for. And we do not have just all this extra money to go crazy with equipment. And we are designing an office that's going to be functional for the next 20 years. Yes. And so we want somebody who can think about real good design of an office and, you know, um, flow and you don't want to be turning a corner and hitting your hip in a cabinet, you know, in a, you know, in a countertop because it was designed wrong because it fit well, you know, with, yep. with, you know, with somebody who that wasn't, that isn't what their profession is. So that would be my other take home message. It's worth to pay a little bit more yep. to have an architect design your space um, and use your equipment specialist for what they're good at. They are great for delivering great equipment for you. Um, but that would, that would be kind of one that's of my a last really pieces. smart. That's a really smart way to think about it though, Joe, because it's nothing against the equipment specialists. They're doing their job. That's awesome. And your architect is looking at it from a holistic point of view and yes. doesn't have a, a dog in the pony uh, in the fight, right? A pony in the, yep. pony in the race, a dog in the fight. They're there. <laughs> They are there to help make sure that it makes sense. It flows. It's, it's so funny you say this because we, we are in the middle of building a house right now. And we uh, had an architect obviously do our blueprints. And he's this gentleman who's like 75 years old. He still does everything by hand. And we had our neighbors who said, oh, go, you know, this is the guy we use. It was a good, it was like $30,000 for the plans to draw him up and stuff. And this gentleman, what was so awesome about him is not only was he less expensive, but he took so much time to figure out what we truly wanted yes. and what we wanted, as you said, for the next 10, 20 years, if this is our forever yes. home, what would you want? And then the fascinating things that he was able to come up with that we would never have thought about on how to design it correctly, how to make the flow right. 
That's what an architect's there to do. That yes. again, going back to professionals doing a professional job, let them yes. do that. That's I think that's golden advice right yep. there. Yep, yep. And you know, of course, you know, when I'm working with clients, I'll advise on that, but I'm not doing the drawings. That's I'm right. not, you know, I'm not getting it ready for the MEPs and for, you know, yep. mechanical engineering and plumbing uh, design that also comes in plus HVAC, you know, plus, yep. you know, there's so many other pieces, but, you know, I, I think that, you know, having, you know, the right people in place to get you through just, you know, is going to, you know, help you a ton. And, and I know we're just kind of scratching the surface with yeah. startups, you know, I can continue to go down sure. the list here, but those are probably if you're just getting started, those would be my top three. And then it kind of goes from there. <laughs> well, I love it. Well, that's the, an amazing foundation, right? The foundation of these three things alone should take you some time to think about, think it through, have a plan, get somebody yep. like Jill in your corner to be able to say, so what do you think about this? And throw those ideas around. You know, I mentioned a moment ago about not having a dog in the fight. I think Yes, of course, you are a consultant. You want to make sure that they get what they want out of their, their uh, new startup. But one of the most powerful things about having a coach and a consultant is the fact that they are looking at it for your best result. Because at the end yeah. of the day, you're going to be there for 20, 30 years. Jill's not going to be there for 20, 30 years. Right, right. Yeah, yeah. it's really yep. No, I mean, that's, that's exactly it, you know? And, and I just, you know, I think you've got to be, thinking about this long, you know, what it, it is the future. It isn't just about let's hurry up and get in and design it and get going because that, you know, that's so, um, you know, you're not seeing the forest for the trees there. You know, you've got to be looking at, you know, where, where do I want to go? Where do I want to grow into? How do I want to, and yeah, it seems like it's too big of a space right now, but what, what happens when I get to a point where maybe I do want to see a hundred patients a day, or maybe I do want to have multiple consult rooms going, or maybe I do want to have another doctor in the office, mm -hmm. you know, so you gotta, you gotta at least think through that, talk about it. And then, you know, you know, have the opportunity to plan for it. Well, it's, it's interesting, right? We, we have, uh, we, as uh, the doctors, they'll talk to a patient who they want to see their teeth straightened now. Right. And yes. what do you do? You have that conversation of, well, we got to establish a few things. We got to make sure we're doing this right. So it's not just a matter of getting your teeth straight, but having straight teeth the rest of your life. And so it's the same yeah. conversation. It's just yep. in a different context. Yep, absolutely. Wow. wow, that is awesome. Jill, I have enjoyed this so much that you I were able to explain <laughs> a lot of what you do. We have a lot of the same mindset, which I love. And yes. I hope that everybody listening understands that the whole point is, I that if you are going to uh, start a new business or you're going to, transition your current business, right? If you've made that decision, Correct. you know what? I want to retire in 15 years, but I don't want to retire with what we have right now. I know that where we are is not going to get me to that 15 year retirement. If you're ever feeling or thinking, man, am I ever going to be retired and be retired, being able to retire with what I'm doing right now? Well, Jill's probably the person you need to be talking to about that plan. So I love it. I think it's awesome. Thank you so much for sharing that wisdom with us. Yes, absolutely. And this has been wonderful. I, I love, I love our Dino and Jill talk. This was I great. Love it, right? I, you know, so I glad people that, can listen in. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And, well, you know, we're at, and, go ahead. No, I was just going to say, and thank you for what you're doing too. I mean, just, you know, I, I, I am a follower of you as well. And, you know, just to see um, how positive and just all of the wonderful things that you're bringing to our industry too, and our teams and our doctors, I just um, thank, thank you, you. For, for, for what you're doing. I appreciate that. Well, you're welcome. And I, and I appreciate that. I think it's <laughs> a lot of fun. 
Um, yeah. I'm training myself just like I teach my team members to to take the the a compliment and 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 take it in, right? It's and it's hard because we're living in a world where it's like, oh no, it's because of you. Oh no, it's like, but I yep. appreciate that. That's very nice. Yeah. Well, we're Absolutely. at a place in our show where we ask our six questions to every single person and it's a rapid Ooh. fire just off the top of your head. Are you willing <sighs> to play? I'm willing, but I'm not great at trivia. So let, let, let's see how trivia. I <laughs> <laughs> Don't worry. I won't be, pop, I won't be bringing out the pop culture stuff. Uh, okay. Okay. Good, good. <laughs> All right. You get to see a lot of, of doctors and businesses out there. When you look at them, what do you feel like is the most expensive thing that private practice owners are missing in their practice? All right, this is going to sound a, lot, a little cliche-ish, but I think it's time and knowledge. Um, wow, no, that's true. Uh, and, and you know what? I feel like we all don't have enough time. And a lot of times, you know, in turn, then we don't get the knowledge because we don't have the time. And, you know, and I just feel like that's priceless. And I think it's so, you know, like, how do you put a, how do you put a dollar amount on that? So you, you can't, you're absolutely right. And it's, uh, <laughs> I know for myself, it's a matter of prioritizing that time oh. and well, actually dedicating the time, not even prioritizing because yes. I let a lot yes. of things go that I supposed to prioritize, but dedicating that time. Yeah. Yep. Yep. You're right. So knowledge I you, you, we're going to talk about a book in a moment, uh, your favorite book, but one of the things that I, I, so I have a mentor named Jim Quick. He is a mind, uh, how do you, speed reading coach and stuff like that. And he talks about how the power of books is you take somebody who has researched something for a decade and they've done all the studies and everything and they put it into a book and you could get their knowledge of that topic, at least a really good knowledge, maybe not all of their knowledge, but a good deep understanding of their knowledge in sitting down and reading a book over a week. You can do what they did in a decade in a week. That's what I love so much about books and what we have there. So you're right. Yes. Precious. Yeah. Yeah. So speaking and, and of books. Yes. What's a book you think every private practice owner should be reading right now? Um, oh, not paid. Okay. This is a hard one for me. Uh, kind of my oldie but a goodie is uh, traction. Um, I oh, actually have right. it right here. Yeah. I just this is like a go to book. I, I think every practice um, by Gina Wickman. And if I were speaking to any female docs out there, because can I say too, um, my favorite book right now that I think every female doctor should read is the brave not perfect book. Oh. Um, I love this book. It spoke to me. Um, and I just think from a business owner and as a woman, um, I love this one. And it's by uh, Rejma Son Sonji. Um, I don't know if Rejma anyone can Sonji. see that. Sonji. Yeah, this is this I probably so I do audible. I, I always <laughs> have my books because I like to highlight in them, but I'm an audible. Um, I probably have done that like four times. I just I wow. love it. I love it. So that's, I mean, not that men can't pull something out of it, but it really spoke to me as a woman and a business owner. So that would be. Is it specifically? So I recommend my, my uh, male doctors to read um, girl, wash your face and girl, oh, yeah. excuse me. Right. But yep. it, that's not necessarily, I mean, she is a business owner, but it's not necessarily for business. It's more for like the mom thing, but I just want the doctors, especially the guy doctors to understand a little bit more about what females are thinking or going through. Yeah. Is this written for business owners? Um, it it is uh, in a in a twist, and I think that men could take a ton away from That's this awesome. too, and maybe just be able to appreciate 
what women that that there there are different things that we go through you know and, and just you know the title is you know uh, I, you know, men start out, you know, where, you know, it's all about being brave, you know, and you can, you know, and, and with most of the time with women, it's about perfection, you know, yeah. is your bow on straight is your, you know, and so, you know, it's kind of flipping that switch and being, you can still be brave and not perfect. And it's yes. okay. You know, uh -huh. and I think a lot of times men jump into things going, I'm just going to be brave and it doesn't work out. It's okay. Right. For women, we're so focused on, we have to be perfect and maybe I can be brave, you know, so I, I just, love I loved it. I That's loved really it. Great. That, was, I'm gonna, that is a go-to. I go -to grew up in a me. household where it was very much more about the, the perfection, the look of it than, you know, the bravery. So I'm going to really connect with that. That's awesome. That's great. Yeah. Yep. Okay. Well, speaking of books and my book, the practice RX, I talk about how team culture and team performance is the foundation for business growth. What do you see when you're talking to these doctors, whether they're establishing a new business or they're trying to reestablish their business as the biggest challenge that they are facing when it comes to their teams and their office culture? I feel like it's undefined core values, um, which then in turn leads to value-based decision-making. And I, you know, I know I just did a little talk on this, but, you know, I feel like if we haven't established those core values which then in turn, they ought, that does make our culture, right? Mm -hmm. But then people can't make those value-based decisions, yes. you know? So if they don't understand what the values are or, you know, the core values are, they're not going to make decisions that are in a line. And then in turn, I think that totally flips the switch for us, um, you know, our culture being, you know, out, you know, you know out, out of sync. A hundred percent. I, I, I could not agree more. I was having a conversation with a client of mine, just reiterating again, I believe every problem in every business can be solved with the right core values. Mm -hmm. If you have established them right. So I love that you said that. Before we go into the last two questions, the fourth question is, how can people get a hold of you? I'm sure there are people who have lots of questions. I know you also have been giving a great value on Facebook with some of your <laughs> talks, which has been great. So how yeah. can people get a hold of you? I think the easiest way is just to jump onto my website at www.practiceresults with an S.com. Um, from there, if they want to get a hold of me, they can just, you know, fill out a little questionnaire. It takes you right to my Calendly link and you're going to have a Zoom call with Jill. So that Love quick, it. that easy. And and there's nothing better than a Zoom, Zoom call with Jill. So there you go. <laughs> That's All right. right. What's the number five is what is the best advice you've ever received in life or in business? Um, I, uh, I'm going to go back to this book and just as a, as a woman um, and just for myself, you know, kind of the mantra of being brave and not perfect, you know, mm -hmm. take it, take a risk. Um, it's okay to fail, fail forward, be brave, not perfect. Don't wait to be perfect to do something. I love it. So true. Perfection is the enemy of progress. I love it. Yeah, for sure. All right, last question. What is the best resource or tool that you believe every private practice owner should be using to grow their practice? I don't think that it's one specific thing, but I'm gonna say stay staying plugged in um, mm -hmm. and in front of influencers that align with your business values. Mm -hmm. uh, because I think there are a lot of influencers out there. And um, I think, you know, st you know, getting involved in Facebook groups, you know, groups like yours, you know, um, that align 
with where you want your business to go because they're, they could all be going in a little bit different and you have to choose what's going to work for you or you're kind of going against the grain. So I say, you know, just staying in, in front of influencers, staying plugged in, um, committing to push yourself to do the work and, you know, and, and move forward. Um, and hopefully the groups that you are, you know, staying in, in alignment with are going to, are going to push you to be better and, and help you be better doing that. I love it. I think it's so smart. And that's one of the things that I always find fascinating when people have found their, either their group or their uh, consultant where it's like, Oh, I've already, I got this person. I am uh, going to this many. It's like, you right behind you for those of you that are watching on the youtube you know you can see behind you behind me we have bookshelves of books i don't have one <laughs> business book i follow there's multiple yes. because you're always going to get new ideas so i love that stay yes. plugged in it's so important yes yes wow. absolutely well thank you so much again for your time that you spent with us today i know that we've established a lot of great information and for those of you that didn't take notes like i was you need to go back and listen again because i was taking <laughs> notes while she was talking and so I really appreciate it, Jill. It's always a pleasure. Yes. Well, thank you, Dino. It, it, it has been a pleasure and it's always great to talk with you. And you know, just the, thanks, thanks for letting me be a part of this. Absolutely. My pleasure. Well, everyone, thanks again for listening in to another episode of the Propreneur Podcast. Thank you for sharing this with your friends and your colleagues. And thank you for always giving us such great feedback about these episodes. We are trying to bring you the best practices possible so you can grow yours. And don't forget, we always are here to help you be more proactive, productive, and profitable in all areas of your life and business. We'll see you on the next episode, everyone. Thanks so much again for listening to the Propreneur Podcast. We really appreciate your support. If you haven't subscribed already, please make sure you do so. Also, if you feel like you might be a good fit for our podcast as a guest or know somebody who you think would be, go ahead and email us at dino at dinowatt.com. Again, thanks for support. We'll see you on the next episode.